Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. I will be your cruise director for the next three hours on this journey through life. Who was the cruise director on Love Boat? Julie. Julie. The Julie? It was Julie. Okay. Wasn't it? We'll look it up. I was going to say Isaac, but I think he was the bartender. Isaac was the bartender. Yeah. Gopher was the purser or right. whatever they called him. Julie. Julie. Julie, yeah. the cruise director. Right, there you go. I okay. had a crush on her. Oh, she was cute. Julie, I was probably eight. If you don't know what Love Boat is, go look it up. Uh, by the way, the Love Boat also followed by Fantasy Island, which a yes. child my age should not have been watching. Really? Yeah. I think that was Saturday nights. Yes. TJ Hooker with yeah. uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk. Yeah. yeah. That was a good show. Yeah. Those were the days. Everyone slid across the hood of cop cars in that age. We just went on a, a journey down Bad television TV. lane. <laughs> Friday nights, by the way, they were great, too. Dukes of Hazard, Absolutely. Love Dallas. <laughs> you know what? I needed to be, I needed a parent to pay more attention to me. Was the TV your babysitter? The TV was totally my babysitter. My best friend. Created a lot. I had a lot of creativity because of the TV. I watched chips after school. I love chips. I did too. My son has. I uh, played chips. There's a Planes movie. Yeah. They have a yeah. little uh, segue in there to a, a chips parody. And that music starts up and like the characters start bobbing their head. I did too. I love that song. <laughs> Such a cool theme song. That was cool. That was real. Every time I go to California and I'm. And you see a, a highway patrolman pull out. You're like... Seven, Mary, three, dun, and four. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's scary. Um, welcome to the show. Man, news... We, we totally lost James. He has no idea about it. Yeah, James is like, well, I like Power Rangers. What? Oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> I love it. Some, you, you old people, good job. <laughs> Someday, son, we're going to show you what a cruise ship's really supposed to be like. Captain Steubing. That's right. That guy's the bomb. Hey, on the show today, have we got uh, we we are locked and loaded, not to give you a gun metaphor, but we've got we're going to talk crazy wild weather. We've got a meteorologist coming on to join us. Kevin Eubank will be with us a little bit later. We're also going to get into holograms, kind of a blast to the past: the Star Trek, the Battlestar Galactica, even today, Avengers, Star Wars. They've all channeled the hologram. We are going to be talking about that because the uh, who who better to bring us the hologram than Microsoft? They've basically got some new products coming out where, folks, you're going to be able to watch television eventually anywhere you want. Anywhere just floating in space will be this huge, big screen television. The way it should be. Yeah. TV your way. Oh, that will be so neat. Uh, imagine the day that you send a Skype... And the Skype is just the person standing right in front of you. And they could 360, they could turn, you see, it's crazy. Mm. Then, uh, in, our, in our last hour, we are going to get into deceptive marketing practices. Have you noticed some of those commercials where uh, you feel like, you know, maybe it's better to just die of smoking 
than all of the possible problems that could come from using the drug. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they stop and give you about 15, 20 seconds of everything that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you notice you're bleeding from every orifice, if you notice your eyes are crossed and Please you're going consult blind. A doctor. And, yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden your ears are bleeding, your nose. You know what? Smoking's not so bad. But again, those, you know, we're having more and more and more and more ad time and less and less actual TV time. And then we have maybe some deceptive practices. We'll talk about that. Plus, how many times a week should you shower? All of that's coming up today. I mean, for some of us, more. We need more showers for some of us, fewer. But before we move on, let's get to the headlines. Big news yesterday. The FCC approved the strongest set of net neutrality rules in this country's history. Yay. The new rules largely resemble the open Internet rules that Obama laid out three months ago, Hmm. which forbid paid prioritization or a practice that enables cable companies to create internet fast lanes as well as throttling. Good. Which has some of the mobile companies kind of uh, up in arms. Sure. Because now they're into this. The uh, new rules do not allow internet service providers to block websites and give the FCC authority to intervene when big cable companies don't act in the public interest. This plan lets the FCC regulate the Internet as a public utility, much like telephones. The plan does not give the government the power to set price for Internet service. Hmm. Because what they're regulating is the Internet, not the companies that give you an uh, on-ramp to the Internet. Seems a little backwards. But they do give an opportunity for people to petition the FCC if they think the price is unfair. There we go. Again, it's the government. And like you said yesterday... You could leave it up to the government to figure it out, and it's going to probably have problems. You could leave it up to big business, and, and they're going to have problems. Over. So maybe yeah. there's a happy medium, and that's what we're trying to figure out, and there's going to be lawsuits. And but there, there probably will be, though, companies that will go figure out a happy medium. So just start looking for third alternatives. Other things are probably going to pop up. That's the other thing is there's not a lot of competition yeah. for this type of service. There's usually one, two, maybe a third option, but usually there's only two. One of the ideas we talked about, too, is what happens, and this is maybe the happy option, is when your, more, your local governments get more involved in providing Internet through, with the help of other companies. Then you have a little bit of a government regulation and but, a little bit of a company but if it leads support. But if it leads to more competition... Bingo. You might get better prices. That's right. So there's always that option. It's ongoing. It'll go on for a while. But there's, we'll talk about later in the show some uh, reaction to how this was done, uh, this announcement yesterday. We're going to need bandwidth if we're going to have holograms. Right. I'm just saying. And as Elon Musk says, we need the internet when we go to Mars. It totally So he's true. trying to figure that out, too. That is a great point. DHS funding. We've been watching that for uh, most yes, of this week. Today's the, the day. The Senate set to vote on a clean Department of Homeland Security funding bill uh, later this morning to meet a deadline to avoid a shutdown of the agency, which happens at the end of business today. Clean meaning no other attachments of you know anti-immigration stuff, yeah. no other writers, no other... So apparently the Senate is signed off. They're ready to go, but the House is still... Uh, Wanting a immigration bill somehow attached to it to kind of block what President Obama wants to do. With well, let's hope this happens. And if not, for all of you Homeland Security workers that will be working for free, from the rest of us, we appreciate it. We need to push on our congressman. <laughs> so, so yeah, that doesn't have to happen. That's happening. That's in the news today. Also, cool. Um, let's see anything else. So that happens. Apple Watch. 
What about it? They're going to officially have a announcement March 9th for this device that we I, don't know if we I need actually yet. want the Apple Watch. Why? Because when I was a kid, I had a calculator watch. Okay. And now you I'm trying f- to go full circle. Now you have a phone. Yeah. It has a calculator. It yeah. can do everything the watch is going to do, except it's not on your wrist. Exactly. Do you, you have a watch. I have a watch. Do you want to replace that with I, something no, else? Yes, because I want my watch to capture my heartbeat and send it to my wife so she knows I'm alive. Okay. That way she knows the minute she needs to institute a call to the insurance policy or to our insurance provider so she can get her checks coming. Right. <laughs> That's why I want the Apple Watch. I don't even want it. My wife wants me to have it. It's like, well, it looks like he kicked it. Oh, there he goes. Let's put I'm, the claim what's in. The, who's our insurance well, agent? Really, with those claims, the sooner the better. Yeah, for Once sure. Once you get the process rolling, the yeah. faster your funds show up. I actually could care less, but she's like, we have to be on that the second you go. <laughs> I thought it was rude. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times she's like, no, I'm kidding. I'd rather that you be alive. At what point you go, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. You know, let's stop planning my demise. She, but when she heard about the watch being able to do that, she, I like, isn't that romantic? I could send you my heartbeat. And she's like, oh, okay. So I'd know the second of your demise. She'd get a little text alert. He's dead. Beep. Oh. Beep. Beep. <laughs> Hello. Is this Jerry, the insurance guy? So that's happening. And peop- the... Uh, I don't know. The mobile industry is reacting as their as uh, companies are rushing to get their models out before March 9th. Uh, so it's a watch race. Well, the problem is if you put it out after March 9th, you get caught in the wake yeah. of everyone, not everyone, but a large portion of people purchasing a, well, a you know, uh, watch. Let's just call it what it is, the cool people. Okay. You'll, well, get, in, you'll get caught in the wake of the cool people buying the Apple Watch. I still don't see what the point uh, is. I think insurance companies, now that we've made this announcement are going to start selling them as part of the policy. I saw an article about luxury Swiss watchmakers who are now getting in on the smartwatch really? trend. Yes. Why? They're not techno geeks. Let's no, stick with your they German and they, Swiss watchmakers. They think there's a segment of their audience, a segment of their customers who want this technology. That's true. So you have you know, these $13,000 or no, $1,300 watches, so rather yeah. expensive watches, and uh, they are able to count your steps and maybe monitor your sleep and you can't see anything on the dial on the mm. watch itself but it transmits that info to an app on a phone so in That's other words cool. you have your watch yeah. but then you also have like the 100 dollars yeah. fitness tracker band that you've probably thrown away it has it all put together look at the advancements so, <laughs> advancements your even phone does swiss, most of this even the swiss watchmakers now want a piece of the action the yeah. tech action well, good stuff. Those are good headlines. Uh, um, again, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot we have to keep up on on the show. We're going to take a break, though. When we come back, uh, Kevin Eubank is going to join us. In in the Intermountain West, he is probably one of the best-known meteorologists we've got. Here from uh, KSL.com is uh, the station he works for. He's actually the son of, a, of also a meteorologist. So... It's a family deal, folks, and um, he knows his stuff. We're going to ask him about all of this crazy weather and what's coming down the what's coming down the pike. Apparently, big droughts in the west. The east coast is being pounded like never before from snow and uh, just crazy weather cycles. We'll get into that up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. If you have a question about weather for for Kevin Eubank, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. He knows his stuff. 
It'll be good. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back, right here with Kevin Eubanks on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today, <laughs> excuse me, we've been talking, um, you know, we did the headlines, we did the news. I, I've had this dilemma, this quandary. Uh, we, we always hear about climate change. We hear about all of the major changes. And then, you know, there's kind of the anti-climate change people that are fighting and saying, no, there's, it's not happening anyway. W- one of the things we run into is there is a reality Folks, that uh, in, at least in the last few years, weather has been seriously crazy. And we, um, as we think about life kind of going forward, for example, there is in the West, a, 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 what would we call it? A, a, an impending drought, supposedly. Uh, apparently, there will be a drought, according to NASA and the National Weather Service as well. That is supposed to hit the West Coast or the West Western United States, Southern Southwestern United States as well, and it is going to impact us. And it could be even uh, called a mega drought that is going to be hitting us um, and and hitting us hard. And so we wanted to to talk to an expert, somebody that could could help us to understand. What's really going on and what we can believe and what we can actually trust when it comes to weather. And the hard thing, as you know, if you've ever just watched your your favorite television meteorologist, a lot of times you don't know if they actually know what they're talking about. Because one day we were, we were talking about these really big storms back east. Do you remember? They were going to be the mega storm, the biggest storm to hit the east coast forever. And... Boom. It didn't always equate to much in certain places. New York, for example, you remember, they didn't get um, as many uh, inches of snow as, as had been anticipated. But when I grew up, whenever I had a question or a thought about weather, I always went to one man, and his, uh, his name was Mark Eubank, who was on the air forever. He was a meteorologist here in Utah. He also started a, a, basically a weather uh, company that would evaluate the weather and, and, and be able to bank and, and um, archive a lot of the weather. And he was iconic here in Utah. Well, Mark Eubank had a, a chip off the old Eubank block uh, that we will call Kevin Eubank, his son, who is now basically taking his place, in my mind, as a great... Uh, guru, he would no. They would hate that. He's a scientist, basically. He has his bachelor's degree in broadcast meteorology. He is a member of both the American Meteorolog- Meteorological Society and the National Weather Association. He he's a, an avid community uh, community um, volunteer. He does a lot of educational and civic group speeches and is just just a great guy. And I thought we've got to ask Kevin about this crazy weather. So, Kevin Eubank, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here. You thank bet. You. And again, iconic. I called you a chip off the old Eubank block. Well, you, you and your dad, in my mind, equal weather. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, my, my father did it for 40 years. Is it here 40? In Holy cow. And so he did it for a long, long time. And 
I always tell people that, you know, those shoes are big to fill. So oh, yeah. Give me 40 years to catch up, and uh, then, <laughs> then we'll talk. But how long have you been in it? Uh, this will be my 15th year. So you're well on your way. Yeah, we're plugging along. And you're only like 20. <laughs> well, yeah, 19, actually, so I'm leaving <laughs> on a mission here soon. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> well, Kevin, I, I appreciate you being here. Talk about, and we'll have to take a break in a second. It took a while to get you on the phone because I think our system has a little hiccup right now. Um, yeah, that's okay. But is is the weather – what's going on? It's crazy town. We have droughts, mega droughts. We have the East Coast underwater. We have the ocean congealing. What's going on? You know what? Weather is always changing, and that's one reason why both myself and my father got into the business is because it's so much fun to try and figure out. And there's a couple of factors that are going on. Number one – Change is always happening, right? So yeah. you get imbalance in weather. You'll get extremes in weather. Now, we're seeing some pretty you know, record-setting extremes where you have horrible droughts in California, huge high pressures over the west, huge Arctic low pressures over the east. And so you're talking six to seven feet of snow in Boston, absolutely nothing over Utah. <laughs> and uh, around the whole globe, we're seeing extreme weather. Now, there's a lot of, lot of theories behind that, but uh, part is, is that weather's becoming more extreme. Number two is we have more instruments and methodologies of recording, capturing, mm. and distributing all of that information. Yeah. And so while before it took a long time to understand what was happening, not only in our own country, but around the world, now it happens on a Twitter you know, yeah, click. Yeah, exactly. So we're far more acute and aware of what's happening uh, and I think that might play in a little bit to our psyche as to the extremities of the weather that are going on. I mean, no question it's extreme, but I think we're we're heightened to the sensitivity of how big it is because yeah. of how instant the information is. Well, and is that – I think that's why a lot of people sit there and wonder about um, climate change, for example, simply because yeah. – the, you know, the Earth's been around a long time, and we haven't had this many instruments measuring ever, right? So right. It, it is, is it, is it, can we, it almost seems crazy to try to attempt to say today's weather is because of an effect, or, or is it crazy? Help, help us understand that, because the time and then the magnitude of the Earth and our lack of measurement, really, over time, is, yes. is, is 100, I, 200 years enough? I get asked all the time, and, and scientists would say, hey, listen, we go back thousands of years with ice cores and tree okay. rings. There and, you go. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot longer than what human history, quote unquote, right. would, would say. However, it's my humble opinion, and I get asked this more than anything. When I go out and speak and I Do talk you? and we turn it to open forum, people ask, tell me about global warming, climate change, what yeah. are your opinions? And, and you almost got to start out with, hey, these opinions do not reflect my employer, KSL, Bonneville, yeah, right. or anyone That's else right. that I'm involved with, yeah. because they're truly my opinion. Yeah. The truth is, I don't personally, my opinion is, it's somewhat presumptuous to think that we as mankind got us into the situation, and it's even more preposterous yeah. to think that we can get ourselves out of it. That's true. Like, now, we think we're bad to the bone. Oh, man, we think we do it all. And yeah. it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we contribute yeah. to both the problem and the solution? Oh, my goodness, yes. And should we be good stewards and implement all of the tools and resources and technology to mitigate or offset some of the consequences? Oh, my goodness, yes. Mm -hmm. But to think that we're the sole cause or the sole solution 
is just arrogance. And, and I think we have to understand it's always changing. There's always extremes. And so we need to do a good job of, hey, I'm all for water conservation. I'm all for limiting emissions. I'm yeah. all for doing that. But uh, I think sometimes even the best human efforts cannot overcome Mother Nature and yeah. God's will for what's going on on a planet. Well, so. do we remember the last tsunami? I mean, do we remember how just the power of, you know, an earthquake in the middle of the ocean or off of Japan or wherever and what it can do to Thailand? And it just the idea that um, the idea that we have our hand on the throttle is is presumptuous, as you said. I totally agree. And yet we do it. Right. I guess I guess science needs to validate itself. Well, sometimes I think they want to take control over things that are uncontrollable. Uh-huh. Um, and whether that's the theory of chaos or not, I, I, you, you step back and you go, do we really – I mean, do we really have control of this? Right. And, and I think about my children, right? I have control for a little while, and then all of a sudden <laughs> I have to rely on what's been put in motion yeah. to govern what goes on for them in, in their lives. Well, I think – the weather's a lot like that. I think there are rules, there are laws that govern that. And yes, it's dependent on other factors, but pretty soon that's one big earth that's turning and a whole lot of weather going on. And it's a lot to think that there's someone or something in control and that uh, so you know, what true. I do over here is going to cause the tsunami over there. And if yeah. I stop doing that over here, that's not going to happen over there. And I, I just don't think that's true. No, I think I think you're I think you got something there. And Kevin, you would know. Come on. You've, oh, come on. But you've studied it more than the rest of us for sure. Let's take a break, Kevin. Um when we come back, I just want to keep picking your brain and find out a little bit more, I mean, really about uh, you know, accuracy and of and forecasting because, you know, we're supposed to have a mega drought coming to the west. And, you know, some big names are behind the prediction of that. Is is that something we really need to worry about? Um, and just, just, you know, pick your brain a little bit more on everything else about this crazy weather. Again, we're talking with Kevin Eubank, who is uh, KSL.com, or KSL's number one newscast. Um, it, it's, a, it's a newscast here in Utah. He's their meteorologist and a good friend of BYU as well. So... We, uh, we'll take a break when we come back more with Kevin Eubank right here on the Matt Townsend Show. back everybody to the matt townsend show we're talking about the crazy weather that's going on and uh, a little bit about uh you know climate change also the mega drought that's supposed to hit the west the congealing oceans on the east coast it's so cold there and we brought on uh, kevin eubank who is um he is the the number one i think meteorologist in utah he's the man that we go to when it comes to weather, and actually, he himself is what, what I love about it is he's he's got a good pedigree. 
you would think that wouldn't matter, but I can every time I imagine Kevin, um, I can just almost see him as a little kid because his dad was always so excited about the weather and would bring up the the weather from a hundred years ago and would explain and would teach. And um, I can only imagine how cool that must be to um, to have a passion that you could share with your father like that. And then we've asked Kevin to be on the show to help us maybe catch a little bit more of that passion. Kevin Eubank, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Matt. You know what? I remember sitting around as a little kid listening to my dad. And to be honest with you, as a little kid, I hated it. Did I you? hated weather. <laughs> I respected his passion. I got that. But it was so much, much. so often yeah. that you kind of pushed back. Come on, it wasn't Dad. until I was older that I really understood why he loved it so much. And, and so now, yeah, we talk – we talk, if not every day, at least every other day, and, and uh, I'd say probably 60% of those conversations are about, about the weather. Are they really? Where he is in the yeah. world and, and what uh, – he's the first one to give me a phone call and say, hey, I wouldn't have forecasted that. You really blew that one. Did I, I would have fixed he? that and done that. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's invaluable. He's a great, a great confidant. Oh, that's fun, though. Counselor. And then to have your dad, he blew it. You blew it. You blew it, son. Loser. Oh, yeah. I taught you better than that. <laughs> Talk about forecasting because, uh, you know, New York, and, and I, I mean, it's got to be hit and miss. New York, that big storm that hit back east, you know, they were expecting the biggest storm in 100 years. And it was for Boston, for Connecticut, yeah. I guess, for certain areas. They got pounded. New York, it didn't. So it makes all the meteorologists look like they don't have a clue. Well, and you know what? If you've traveled around our country, you can see that there is a big discrepancy between how local audiences view their local meteorologists. Hmm. Some people trust them. Yeah. Other people just laugh at them. Other people never even you know, watch or give credit to them. And so it really depends on, on where you are in the country and how much maybe you, you have go. come to trust the meteorologist in your area. Um, when you're dealing with forecasting for millions of people, like the meteorologist in New York City, yeah. and literally six to 12 inches of snow can cripple those cities. They don't have places to put the snow moving around. I mean, Times Square on its own is horrible, let alone adding right. a foot of snow. So you, you really try to get ahead of those types of storms. And uh, they did. And it ended up being 100 to 150 miles west yeah. of where they thought it was going to be. And that, in turn, put it all to the north of them and they bombed and many of them came out and admitted hey we messed that up we 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 apologize and and it's a hard hard business to do and people think you control it people think that you're the one (laughs) you're you're seeding the clouds that's right you're you it either came or didn't come because of you but that's part of the job you know when i got into the business my father said you better have a thick skin son because there's going to be days you get it and there's going to be days that you don't and you're going to put your very best efforts into being accurate and correct. But a lot of times it's it's not about what you know. It's how you present what you know. Hmm. And it's how you let people understand and articulate this is what's coming. This is what's happening. And this is the potential. If it goes a little farther west, it's going to miss us. But if it stays on track the way I see it now, I think it's going to get us. And a lot of times – it's about what we present and how we present that yeah. information that really shapes public opinion. Is it is it easier to predict a five year a five day weather pattern compared to a thirty year pattern? Oh, it seems I like a no brainer. So. Does I mean? Yeah. But like they're they're saying right now, even in the L.A. Times, they just reported it about a fifty percent chance that a mega drought will hit the Southwest for more than thirty years. 
Okay, now I want you, have you ever taken a statistics class? Yeah, yeah. Matt? Okay, so tell me what 50% means. So uh, I, I... Well, how about this? If I flip a coin, yeah. there's no science behind this, right? I flip a coin. It's a coin toss. What are the odds of it landing on head or tails? Uh, you know what? See, 50-50. So, but why are we worried then? No, we're not worried. Obviously, we're in a big drought in the West, and yeah. so it's something to talk about. And this is another part of the whole weather story mm-hmm. that sometimes gets ahead of us. We have so much media to fill. We have so much content to create, and I see it all the time, and, and not just our newsroom, but in a lot of news. Yeah. We jump behind a story or a nugget or a little teeny tiny tidbit, and we create a story out of that because it fills content, or all of a sudden it makes it to the web page. Yeah. So is there a 50% chance of drought? Yes. And there's also a 50% chance <laughs> of flood. So <laughs> let me turn this story into, hey, there's a 50% chance of a major drought. Well, right. Okay, but if that happens, and let's say it does, weather is about balance. So if there's a huge high pressure that causes a huge drought, there's likely going to be a low pressure, and places opposite of that area, so Midwest, East Coast, yeah, they're going to have it. They're going to have flooding. They're going to have huge rain and snow and water and yeah. ice. So we don't. It's it's one of those things you got to take it with a grain of salt, as with everything in, in the media, and, and I think really in our information age, sometimes it's out there just because. Hey, what are you going to write today? I don't know. Let's find something. And <laughs> next thing you know, it becomes a story. That's true. So anyway, t- I'll get off my soapbox. No, but I, I love it because away. we don't think of it that way. We want to trust it and go with the story for the minute. Um, here's here's, a, here's another. This That was the first paragraph of this article in the LA Times. The next paragraph says the odds of a 10-year drought afflicting the southwest U.S. have increased to 80% according to That's Cornell right. and the University of Arizona. But they've already had a drought in California for, what, two years? No, it's going on. We're going on five Five years. Seven oh, so, years. So it's really – so we have an 80% chance this could last two to three more years. That's right. And and so, again, you when we go back into climate records and meteorologically to try to forecast, we look for patterns, we look for cycles, we look for duration. And so when you have, and, you, and there are naturally occurring weather patterns, right. and you can come in and say, we have a five to 10 year cycle. And all of a sudden, if you get into one of those cycles, there's a high level of prediction to say that cycle will continue. And you don't know the exact day or even the exact year, but you can say with 80% accuracy that that's going to roll for another two to three years. And then that cycle is going to back back off. Yeah. When they make that 50% prediction of a drought going you know, 30 years, if you skip a cycle, all of a sudden you take a 10-year cycle and you skip that next cycle. Yeah, you're... And then you go back into a 10, now you're into a 30-year cycle. Yeah. So there, are, there is some science woven into all of that. Um, and, and the truth is, is that do we really know? The answer is no, and, mm-hmm. and that's not to take away the credibility from anybody. We're doing our absolute best to get better, and we we now have a high level of accuracy to that three to five day, and now the five to seven day, and we're getting better at the seven to ten day. Really, and uh, there's that's good. Some very good computer models that have come out that are accurately predicting seasonal type weather patterns, whether it's dry or cold or wet or you know mm-hmm. warm. And they're getting better and better. And our supercomputers and all the all the power that's going into that, um, we're getting a lot better. And so it's not to discount it on a whole. 
it's to understand that what that is, is it's a predictive pattern. And it's no more different than you and I looking at uh, somebody who's going down a path. They're at BYU. They're, they're, they're in their fourth year. They're ready to graduate with high honors. They're ready to go forward. You can put a predictive pattern for them moving forward right. based on their past. What are their odds? We yeah. This, yeah, we do the same thing in weather. We look at what's happened. We look at what's happening now. And then we try to put a predictive pattern in front to forecast what's going to happen. Mm. Okay, I got one for you. You ready? Okay, you bet. Um, we're going to break news here. So what, are, what does the groundhog really have to do with this? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, good. So I was so worried been, about that. Oh, stop it. Punxsutawney. Punxsutawney Phil. Well, it sounds like a marketing ploy by a chamber of commerce for a certain city in Pennsylvania. I think you're right. They get a headline every year. But I will say this. Animals have predictive qualities. They know things that are happening before maybe we know things that are happening. And my father used to love to watch certain animals and what they're doing and how thick is the, you know, the coat or the fur on one animal this year, yeah. how much, you know, how he used to watch the pikas, which are little, little animals up in the mountains and they would build mounds. And if they were getting big, huge mounds, that was an indication that they were preparing for a big, huge winter. And, uh, Interesting. The other thing is, have you ever heard of a sun dog? Uh-uh. So a sun dog or a halo, a halo is a big ring around the sun. Or yeah, the moon. yeah, yeah. And sun dogs are like little side parentheses. It looks like little, uh, not a full ring, but little parentheses. The Native Americans used to watch that. And if they saw that, they said within five days, you would see a storm where you are. And Matt, that has an 85% accuracy Are you kidding? During the fall, winter, and spring months. Do you look at that then? Do you go to the sun dog and and do you use that in your day-to-day you know, forecast. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm on the fence about a storm and all of a sudden I see pictures or people text in or tweet or whatever, a sun dog. Yeah. It, it adds more credibility to this, the chance that storm is coming in and I sit back down and I relook at the models and go, Hey, this could be a little bit bigger than I thought. And at first when I heard that, you know, 15 years ago, I thought, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. Right. And then I watched my father do it and do it accurately and well. And he said, son, there's two things you need to know. Number one, never trust a split jet stream. It's <laughs> going to go around you. And number two, when a sun dog is there, you better go back and relook at your forecast. Really? And That's the advice you got. That's great. Yes, I did. And both of those things have proven very, very true when it comes to, to forecasting weather. Never trust a, jet, a, a split jet stream. That's right. Split jet streams, they're, they're squirrely. And you think it's coming your way, and the next thing you know, boop, it goes to the south or it goes to the north. <laughs> Never trust a split jet stream. They're not your friend. So, oh, that's cool. What else do they ask you? When you go out, and I know you do a ton of speeches and meet with the community, what, what, are, what, are you, what questions do you get? We get asked a lot. Like we said, the, the global warming question is a big one that people want to talk about. The other thing is, you know, what's my father doing and where, he, where is he and, and how is he doing? And then a lot of things is tell me, why did you do this? Why did you pursue this? as a career. And the truth is, I, I enjoy helping people. I love to help people. And so meteorology for me is an, is an opportunity to help people understand what's happening in the world. So when I was in, I, was, I went to Chihuahua, Mexico on my mission. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Chihuahua, and I didn't care that much about the weather, I saw there were two little girls who drowned in a ravine, mm. a canal when a flash flood came. 
And I remember asking the question, why didn't anyone tell them to get out of that ravine? And for the first time in my life, I connected what meteorologists do. There was no one to tell the parents that there was a flash flood 20 miles away, big, huge storm, and that water filled the canal and uh. left those little girls away. And I wrote home to my dad and I said, Dad, what happened? He sent me a packet, Matt, of satellite pictures and images and diagrams and explanations about what happened in that specific wow. area. And I, for the first time in my life, I connected what it was that we did. And that was to help people. It was to help people understand what was happening, what was the risk. Now, we're not out to save lives every day in the sense of the severity of the weather. Yeah. But we are there to help them understand there's a big storm. Maybe you ought to wait for taking that road trip uh-huh. six hours and you'll miss the worst of that storm. Or maybe you ought to reschedule or, hey, it's a perfect weekend to go do what you wanted to do. We, I love that part. I love being able to help people. And people will email and text and Facebook and tweet, you know, I'm doing this this weekend. What, what's it going to be like? They want to know. And I like the opportunity to help people understand that. So that's the reason. I, and I tell people that all the time. I love what I do. I can't believe they pay me to do what I do. <laughs> I've and seen when it. when I talk to kids, you're well, good. it's a good thing. And I think you do too. You love what you get totally. to do. And it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. Yeah. And I hope that people who listen understand, go chase what you're passionate about. It stops being work when you're doing something that you love and it's fulfilling and you know that it's the right thing that you're supposed to be doing. When you receive that that whole thing together – Man, it makes it makes life pretty full. Oh, it totally does. And I mean, I have brothers in law that um, a brother in law that actually he plows and and does a lot of landscaping, and he listens to you faithfully. Like you yeah. make his day. You tell him what tomorrow is going to look like. My wife, I'm pretty. I'm going to go out on a limb here. If I died, you'd be the next guy, Kevin, because oh, geez, she she loves the weather and she but two i think the the neat thing about it is um i guess in the end you it's it's about people it's about warning when you need to warn and i've heard you say you just ought to delay going north on this road if you can and and with all the technology now we really are able to get this information out faster and cleaner so i i applaud you great job Thanks for being on our show. I know it was early, and I know weathermen don't usually get up this early. I mean, I've hey, watched Anchorman four, I before. Got four ki- I got four kids, Matt. Believe oh. me, we've been up for an hour. <laughs> so already? It's all good. That's good. Kevin, we appreciate you. Thanks for hey, all thank you do. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. I'm sure we'll, we'll call you again to ask more questions. You're the best. I mean, cool. I just love the clarity. Folks, it's still an imperfect science, and it's still about statistics It's still about a little bit of just reading the wind, right? And the sun dogs. We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, to me, again, oh, it's so hard on the show because um, I, I know Kevin personally, and I just he's he's anybody that does and works as hard as they do to get good at what they do. It's impressive, and I don't know. You, you hear the 
all of this incredible rhetoric about climate change on every side. So obviously there's evidence that something's happening, and yet how do we have the gall to believe humans can break it and fix it? I don't know. He made, I think, a really good point. And, and so you think about it. Just And it was an interesting point, too, to the idea of the impact that your local meteorologist has on you. Do you trust your meteorologist? I mean, they're wrong a lot of the time. And yet, as he's saying, five, you know, five-day forecast, 10-day forecast, they're picking up. I give them 24 hours. I think yeah. they can be fairly accurate for 24 hours. I mean, After that, it starts. Yeah. Well, you can pull yeah. out an app now, and if it's not raining, if it says it's going to rain in my city and it's not raining... We're mad. Well, that's the other thing. Usually I just need to know, do I need a jacket in the morning or yeah. not? Yeah. And that's it. So I, I think, by the way, and he teaches, I think, a really important lesson to everybody in their job, and he probably does it better than most. You have to manage the expectation and watch what you're saying. So he doesn't just go create headlines by saying outlandish things. And we are ch- chasing news cycles. So if you're out there... You might, instead of just chasing a news cycle, you might want to try to get your news or your weather from somebody that's maybe not into the news cycle mentality because maybe they won't, you know, puff it up as much. Maybe you just need to go to the National Weather Association and just, you know, or the National Weather Service, get on their website. They're probably not there to hype they were predicting that New York was going to be destroyed by a certain snowstorm that didn't Were they happen. the ones predicting it? No, or, but they were the, amongst the – our well, models, our computer models well, are showing – I know, but I, but I think what it is is the, they, the computer model shows something no, that has to be interpreted and right. then the local weather person or the CNN or well, the Fox or these guys were, type it. There were weather alerts. There was a – you know, there were those types of warnings that were out there. And then, yeah, it got a lot of hype, yeah. but – you need the data. I think yeah. you need the data. But even they just there was like supercomputers involved in crunching the numbers, and they were all saying it's gonna you know just you know it, what you need. To it do. was gonna bury New York, and it didn't. I think the th- the biggest key to that interview was we blew up the groundhog idea. It's I you know kind of thought that was ridiculous from the beginning. Oh no, an animal shadow. Hey, there he goes. <laughs> and Absolutely. Way, how do you even know if he saw his and shadow? Why did we pick that groundhog? There's because, groundhogs all over the country. No, it's Punxsutawney Phil. Well, I know there's He's tradition gifted. and it, all this stuff, but... Uh, the sundog was a cool thing for the me. The New York mayor last year dropped their groundhog, and he died about a month later. Ooh. May or may not have been, you know, directly correlating together two events, but he <laughs> drops the thing, and then a month later it dies. <laughs> Man, you know, I think if you drop a groundhog, it's like seven years bad luck. Yeah. Do it's like not. breaking a mirror. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway, cool. Uh we're going to take a break, my friends, and uh, when we come back, more headlines, and we're going to get into holograms. Now, that's, again, that's kind of out of my realm. We have a science-based show today, but holograms are the future. There will be a day. You just will pull up a video or a picture of your, your daughter away at college, and she'll be standing there talking to you as if she was in the kitchen. Fun stuff coming our way. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two of your excursion. A mix. Apparently your morning dance party. Yeah, that's our morning (laughs) dance song right there. Hopefully you're tapping your toe as you drive down the freeway. Accelerating to forty or fifty-five, back down to forty-five, up to fifty-five. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully 45. it's your left foot, not your right one. Yeah, don't be tapping your toe unless you need to use your brakes. Just bob your head. Hey, uh, great uh, discussion earlier about the weather. Hopefully you're experiencing some safe driving as you go to work this beautiful Friday morning. Now, the headlines. We've got a bunch of them. Not so good news. Police say nine people have been killed in, in a four crime scene situation See, near on? Missouri early this morning. Yeah. A fifth and sixth possible location of all, are also being investigated. According to a report from KY3 News, included in the dead is the suspected killer whose body was found in a parked car. Uh, the Herald in uh, Missouri there says the body was found in a parked car. That's good that they repeated that. Good, probably better that I read it. The Houston Herald spoke to a Texas, Missouri County sheriff who declined to give information about the suspect or the investigation. Neighbors have been told to stay inside. So it's ongoing. Wow. Wow. That's a, I mean, so that's a guy on the run, four or five scenes. Yeah. So we'll find out more. It's all, you know, they're figuring it out as they go. It's ongoing. We'll figure it out as the day progresses, obviously. Okay. Yesterday, we, we talked earlier about the FCC. Talked about the decisions they have made with, uh, concerning the internet and net neutrality and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak says the FCC overseeing the web will be a positive step in controlling illegality. Hmm. He also described it as a victory for consumers. Wozniak Var- likes it. Yes. The former... He doesn't work for Apple anymore, but yeah. he was one of the original co-founders. Verizon Wireless sent a press release in Morse code. Wow. And a translation that was dated 1934, and it looked as if it was typed on a typewriter as they tried to sell the point that they feel like this is antiquated law that's being enacted right now. We're using laws from the early 1900s. So so people have been trying to translate the Morse code to make sure it matches the text of what they gave as the actual press release. Interesting. So they, they say it's disappointing and unnecessary. Or... Verizon Wireless. Game on. Here we go. So as the FCC made their decision. The biggest news in the internet, and now everyone will just get in line, and FCC can now control the internet. People celebrating the uh, decision went ahead and went nuts about llamas on the loose in Phoenix and a dress. (laughs) Okay. The biggest news made was about the FCC decision, and yet everyone on the internet is going goo-goo but for llamas. it's the same thing we do. We have this powerful tool, and we use like something like Google for a dictionary. Sure. Or what time is it in Denver, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. You're just looking up random things. Why do people care about a llama? Well, two llamas ran wild in Phoenix, a uh, Phoenix suburb of Sun City. <laughs> they were, they're actually uh, going to an elderly care center, kind of like you yeah. know, for rehab. A, a senior center, yeah. yeah. And they got loose, and the, it was a black and a white llama, and they're just running through, and there's a helicopter following it around. It just kind of turned into a thing, and then you go on to Twitter, and the actor Lorenzo Lamas was trending because of his Yeah. Name. So it, But it wasn't Lorenzo Lamas on no. the loose. It was actually a llama. It was two llamas, and they're just they're trying to get them, and you know, the kind of thing where you're chasing an animal. Did and they have like Benny runs. Hill music they, playing in the back? You, it could fit. It would fit perfectly. 
Yeah, it was it was great. Did the I, senior citizens in the senior center enjoy the llama fest? I don't know if it actually made it to the senior center before they. Wow. It's just on a, a side of a road. All of a sudden, they're running around. Everyone's going nuts, and it was probably fun to watch the video yeah, to sure. type in llamas sure. Phoenix and you'll Such, see it. We're so easily entertained. Also, yeah, there's a dress. A badly lit photograph of a $77 off-the-rack dress broke the internet, as they say here, spawning arguments and half-baked pseudo-scientific explanations over the dress's actual color. It's either blue with black lace fringe or white with gold lace fringe, depending on how the light reflects to you. Interesting. So one dress, one image, people see it as either gold and white, others see it as blue and black? Yes. Now, we both looked at it. Yeah. For me, it's blue and black. Yeah. And for gold you, and white. it was gold and white. For James, the, he'll, James will be the deciding factor. He's like, it's red We're and going yellow. to solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> the dress is, is gold and white. Yes. Oh, yes. You guys, you guys are so wrong. And the other people that see it as black and white, they are colorblind. And the reason yeah, that, that the dress are, uh, kind of argument took off is because all of a sudden the two camps yeah. took up... They dug in. They wanted and they to win. And they started fighting back and forth as to why the other ones were wrong. And Excellent. people were trying to decide science and see what again. Watch. This is our. We've had the discussion. You can't mess with the energy of the internet. If you go to wired.com, they put it into Photoshop and try to find the actual like color hues, color yeah. hues in the in the palette yeah. and try to see if there's some sort of optical illusion going on. So they really try to break it down, and it might just be a bad photograph. <laughs> And this has been div- dividing families. Yes. Like, well, this is like the Civil War. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Which so, camp are we in? Yeah. Are you, you in the healthy camp with good vision? Yeah. It or appear- are you in the blind camp? It appears to have started on a Tumblr post uh-huh. where someone put up the photo with the headline, What color is this dress? Spread from there as, the, uh, as it says the pitched battles between the two camps. Mm. began and one guy said on twitter someone please photoshop a llama into that dress so the internet can kill us all and explode that's a very good point why are we chasing the dress it's right. all about the dress so landmark legislation and we celebrate with llamas again and a dress. but showing the power of the internet and by the way folks the power of your brain on the internet right chasing a llama and wanting it in a dress Messed up. Hey, by the way, we talked about the weather. Did you hear about the university president at Eastern Kentucky University, President Michael Benson? Um, there was a huge snowstorm, right? And and it just pounded uh, Eastern Kentucky. And he um, he basically said, we're not canceling school. So Tough get your out. shovels out right. and everybody get to school. And um, it was Richmond, Kentucky was just blanketed. They were they were down. So one of the students, uh, Devin Danley, expressed his frustration by tweeting at Benson. He said, yo, EKU Prez, yo, <laughs> come shovel my driveway slash road and I'll come to class tomorrow. Deal? Question mark. Huh. Well, Benson was out shoveling his own driveway when he received the tweet. And while um, and while he received it, he then immediately was intrigued, and he answered the tweet. He said, I was out in the driveway. My phone buzzes. I see this tweet. I go to my wife, and I say, I'm going to surprise this student. I just want to see the look on his face when I show up to shovel his driveway. So Benson tweets him back, gets his address, and an hour later shows up at the kid's house and shovels his driveway. Couldn't believe it. 
He was so overwhelmed that the kid invites the president in. They have a meal with his family. Has dinner. So President <laughs> Come on in. Benson here has a meal with the with the family, the Dennelly fam Dennelly family. And then it kind of created another tweeting, you know, push. Oh, the pay it forward the type pay it situation. Forward, and everybody started talking about Shovel. going out and shoveling everyone else's walks. And then it started pushing this great movement of shoveling. I've done that before because you, know, you get the snow and you're kind of all stuck. So you just start shoveling everyone's walks. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Go out as a neighborhood. That's really now, cool. usually the story goes wrong when it says, and he answered the tweet. Yeah, that's, that's where usually where it goes sideways. Where there's a but problem. Not, not but this, this time. Yeah, it worked out. The interesting thing, while they were shoveling walks, two llamas really? came running down. In blue dresses. In the street. Or it, were they gold? They were gold and white dresses. <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> the, you said the llamas were black and white, but actually something that they were actually blue and gold. Could have been. So it depends it on depends. how the light reacts yeah, with the lenses in your eyes. So that's a cool shout out to Dr. Michael T. Benson, president of Eastern Kentucky University. Way to go. Uh, good stuff. Hey, well, let's take a break. We have got a, a really um, interesting topic coming up. Do you remember Star Wars when Princess Leia was floating in a hologram and you could see her and she was spinning? How cool is that, that we could have a technology? Back when I was a kid, eight years old, we'd see that happening. Well, guess what, folks? It's here. It's here. Microsoft even just put out a product called HoloLens it's a headset you wear where you can start to see everything in a holographic, three-dimensional way. We've got a pro, really an expert on the subject, coming to talk to us about the future of this and even how it's going to help in medicine, how it's going to help in science. Javid Khan is going to be joining us, talking holograms in the movies, business and medicine, up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, you've seen the holograms. You saw them in the old movies when you were growing up. Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, in WALL-E, do you remember that? And the Avengers. Uh, it's a very, very um, kind of futuristic concept that you could have this three-dimensional image of whatever you want sitting, floating in front of you. You could manipulate it with your hands. Well, guess what, my friends? The future is here. Holograms are taking over. You know, in the we've already talked about a little bit on the show the, uh, the announcement that Microsoft made with the HoloLens. Um, we've got an expert on the line with us right now, and his name is Javid Khan. And Javid is... He's actually done his Ph.D. in in the holograms and has put together a company called Holoxica. He's the director of the company, the founder of the company, and is it's one of the leading holographic image development companies in the world. Javid Khan holds a doctorate in photonics engineering on holographic 3D displays and a master's degree in microelectronics. He is joining us today on the phone via Edin, uh, through Edinburgh, Scotland. Javid, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. So great, great to have you. It's great to have you on, and this is this is big news. And, and I've watched your TEDx talk, and the, the impact of a three dimensional technology. It's almost like 
you know, we we used to think it could happen, and then we kind of forgot about it, it seems like. But it's back, and it's happening. Day in, day out, you're, you're processing holographic images for companies, for hospitals, for, for tech, in tech businesses. Talk about that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, holographic technology has had a long history. It's been a little bit painful with ups and downs. And, you know, there was a lot of things promised in films like uh, Star Wars and Star Trek, as as you mentioned, Battlestar Galactica, all the rest of it. And while these things were kind of popular back in the 70s and the 80s, um, it soon became kind of quite clear that the technology had to move beyond the laboratory and to really to go digital and holographic video display was really in a land far, far away. And basically what happened is that the technology kind of went underground in the 90s, and the research was done mainly by kind of high-end research facilities like MIT Media Labs and the United States military with companies like Zebra Imaging and and Kinetic over here in the the UK doing a lot of the research. And I guess we're now beginning to see... Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, so mm. to speak, yeah, because that's what we work with, basically light to form images in free space. Yeah, talk about how you create a hologram. I mean, it, it is, you're just really, it's, you're turning a, a 2D image into a 3D image. How, how does that's that happen? A great question. Um, basically, the fundamental physical principle of how holograms work is, is diffraction. It's the diffraction of light. And this is a a slightly strange phenomenon that happens when light um, hits structures which are about the same size as the light. So light is is about half a micron, so 550 nanometers for green. Um, That's about the size of light. That's like, I don't know, it's like a a 20th of the size of a human hair. Oh, wow. And and if it uh, bounces off structures which are about the same size as that, then if you can design and engineer these structures very carefully and in a really smart way, you can make light do fantastic stuff, like form Im- images in free space. Hmm. And you're right, it is a two-dimensional surface, um, but it creates effects in three-dimensional space. It's powerful. That's the great thing about diffraction. Well, and, and you, did, you did your dissertation on about. it. Oh, sorry, what did you yes, say? that's right. Yeah. What That's was right, your dissertation um, on? How did that, what did you study? Um, it was photonics engineering, so it was specifically on holographic displays, and the title of my thesis was um, Holographic Volumetric 3D Displays. <laughs> and my research was really about trying to make a, a motion video display, and uh, a lot of the, the, the research that's been going on by the military and by other laboratories has tended to be quite, let's say, very high-end and not very accessible. Um, so basically, the research community um, took the approach of, say, look, look, they're sci-fi, they've set the specifications, and let's try and make a display like that. Yeah. Um, but that's very difficult to do in practice, and you end up using all kinds of exotic materials and things that are not easy to make, to, to fabricate. So my, my technical approach was actually the opposite of like the mainstream and what i did was i i started with something very mundane uh, something very boring in fact it's just like start with a single dot in space <laughs> and you turn it on and off and a single dot is not really all that interesting yeah kind of boring what's interesting yeah. is is what you do next and 
you chop this dot up in in, in along two or three dimensions. So suddenly your single dot becomes nine dots and 16 dots, and you kind of grow exponentially. And this is the same technical approach as taken for liquid crystal displays. So back in the 70s and 80s, these were just like calculator type things, you know, very simple, yeah, yeah. Uh, numeric, like clock radios, that kind of thing. But now you look at your, your, your smartphone and it's a high resolution full color display and i kind of took the same approach started with something simple and scaled it up oh i mean and it's powerful when you watch your tedx talk to see how you're impacting and and the potential of it just we we have about a minute before we need to take a break and then i want to get into it in deep what talk about what you are using this technology for how is it going to change the world well as i said the main user so far has been the military they've printed like 15 14, 15,000 of, of these kind of images uh, using holographic printing technology. Um, and as with many of these things, these are now filtering down towards industrial and commercial applications in medical Im- imaging, scientific visualization, engineering design, architecture. We've done everything from subatomic physics all the way to models of the universe with our holograms. So, so yours is just yours is on a flat surface. But I, I could look at, for example, the human body in three dimension, and depending at which angle I look at it, I could see the the you know the skeletal level. I could see the muscles at a different view. I could see the vascular system, and you you can really give a a, a pretty strong image of the body. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And um, in fact, we're based here at Edinburgh University, and we work very closely with the medical school and. They've, uh, we actually respond to their requirements, and they, they really, I mean, the markets I just mentioned, they really have to see stuff in 3D. You can't get away with just looking at a screen. It doesn't matter what kind of apps you have. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're always looking at a, a two-dimensional model. And uh, for these guys really have to see that this blood vessel or this bone structure is behind or in front of that other vessel or nerve, mm-hmm. or, or, nerve or whatever it is. So... Uh, for, for some people, uh, for people who work in 3D, they really need to see their work in 3D, and those are the kind of people that we deal with. That's powerful. Let's do this, Javid. Again, we're talking with Javid Khan, who is the um, the the head of Holoxics, which uh, Holoxica, sorry, um, which is a, an organization, a company that's the leader, one of the great leaders in this special producing of 3D digital holographic images. And um, really, it's taken over uh, a, a lot of different industries. Think about the power of being able to see the 3D image of a car, for example, if you're, uh, you know, you've all looked into your your you know your manuals to to look at your car and to fix your your vehicle what if you had a 3d image of it so you could see exactly where the wiring was running or exactly you know where your subway system was running and how it worked powerful interesting stuff we'll come back more with javid khan after the break Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, right now in the show, we're talking about holograms and the, the innovations and how that's going to end up changing our lives. Imagine that you could start printing out 
a, a holographic three-dimensional image of your pictures. You know, so that when you when you put them up in a frame in your house, you could see it, and and the, it was a three-dimensional image. You could see all these different sides of the picture instead of just kind of that 2D image that you're so used to. On the phone with us, uh, joining us from Edinburgh, Scotland, is uh, Javid Khan, who's the director of Holoxica LTD, one of the leading companies in the holographic image development uh, world. We appreciate you being here, Javid. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You bet. And teach us a little bit more. I like. I just saw an example of of one of the things that we could use this uh, this technology for is in medicine. I mean, I had a son break his arm, and they showed us the X ray, and it looked bad. But what if we could have a holographic image of that broken arm and see in a three dimensional uh, and see all the way around this image? We could have seen exactly how the break took place, which seems like it would be very advantageous for a doctor. Yes, that's right. Um, probably freak a parent like yourself out, but yeah, the it would. Yeah, would really, <laughs> it would. The doctor would really get a lot of information, a lot more than they can from a two-dimensional print. And uh, just because, you know, um, the medical scan that you take, whether it's MRI or, or computer tomography, a CAT scan, that's actually inherently a 3D image. Yeah, it takes slices through. In this case, in your case, your son's arm. And so there's a hell of a lot of detail in there, really. Yeah. And and it's really imperative that this information be presented in 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 3D because the, the human visual system, about 50% of the human brain, is wired for 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 visual imaging, for 3D perception. And I'm always amazed that although there's been lots of development in 3D scanners, there has been not that much development in um, in, in visualizing uh, right. the, the scans in 3D. Although having said that, there's been big strides made in solid 3D printing. Yeah. So making, I mean, this technology is really starting to take off in medicine where you can print organs and stuff. Although we don't do that, it's still, you know, impressive all the things that are going on in medicine these days. Could, could you take the data? Is this what your company does? You could take the data from a typical like medical scanner, one of the new scan types of scanners. Could you then process it through your systems and make it a, a, a holographic absolutely, image? Yeah. So that's really yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we do. That's our uh, bread and butter business day to day. I mean, it just seems like so, if we're going into surgery to have that type of image and to see really where the vessel is sitting compared to the broken bone, and and I mean, it's I think it's. Uh, it's really just being able to take the data and that light that or that and that information, the light uh, that's you know, what what'd you call it? Kind of what you do really is you take the the, the scanned image, whether it's it's with CT or CAT scans, you use X-rays, and with MRI you use um, resonance imaging and radio waves. Yeah. Or with ultrasound, like for babies, uh, you know, you, you use high frequency sound waves. Um, whatever the source, what, what we essentially do is we convert all that back to light. Mm. So we do a conversion from whatever medical image you've got back into a holographic light kind of image so that the human eye can see it. And again, and, you, you, get your, you get your ultrasound of your baby and you can kind of see what it is. You can kind of tell it's a baby. But man, a 3D image of your baby, holy cow, how, cool, how incredible would that be? It's yeah, um, actually, so people have done this with solid 3D printers, and depending on, on you know, 
um, how you react to these things. It's either really cool or really creepy. <laughs> yeah, like alien-like. Man, our child yeah. looks like an alien. Well, it's, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not going away, is it? This is taking over. And again, with the military behind it and, and all these other uses, I mean, I've even seen in some of the research as I was preparing for your call today, our own Utah Transit Authority, UTA, has, has used your, your tools and your holographic prints to, I guess, help them and the agency, um, I guess, communicate yeah. more what they're doing. That's right. As I said, you know, the human brain is is wired for 3D. I mean, there's no uh, two two bits about it. And in fact, you know, really, you know, with with things like solid 3D printing taking off, um, uh, people are having increasing the, the the skills to be able to make their own holographic prints. And in fact. Um, anyone can do so with um, with our partners like Zebra Imaging out of Austin, Texas. They've they've they actually developed some of the original technology for the military, and it's commercialized now. So you can upload your 3D image onto their servers and, and get just, a hologram back through the post. Now, now, are they using your technology on the hologram side? No, actually, we we are we we sharing technology, and we we use their technology, um, and um, and. Yeah, it kind of works both ways. So we actually are one of their distributors for Europe. That's powerful. And we have our own technology on the video display side. Where do you see this going in the end, Javid? Where, where, put us 20 years down the road of this technology. I mean, again, uh, Microsoft's release of the hollow lens idea is, is, is also probably popularizing holograms even a little bit more. As, I mean, adding to all this other work. Where, where are we going to be in 10 years? Well, I, I believe that, first of all, that the holographic printing technology or you know, technology like uh, the, the zebra imaging tech is, you know, these are big machines about the size of the room and they cost a lot of money. And I think this will follow the same path as three, solid 3D printing. Um, so eventually, I think we'll have holographic printing devices uh, that can print digital holograms, you know, the size of a desktop printer and probably about the same, about the same cost. Uh, maybe in in five to seven years, but uh, on a ten year time frame, I can see holographic video displays. You know, just like a pr- Princess Leia out of Star Wars yeah. happening, and and we're making that happen. At the moment, uh, our displays are a little bit simple; they're monochromatic, so they're single color. But you can already do do th- things like draw in mid air with your finger or yep. touch virtual icons and buttons, just like the sci fi movies. Mm. And we're designing our next generation displays for for uh, security and medical imaging applications. And, you know, in, uh, in time, each, with each generation, uh, the displays get bigger, brighter, and better. And we, we'll eventually aim to have a full-color, big, full-video-rate, high-resolution display for video gaming. Wow. And then you'll be sitting in the game, basically. Yeah, and, and for, you know, as a computer monitor or whatever. So just like a general-purpose display. That's powerful. Maybe even on mobile devices. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's, it's not, do you remember like the little, I guess, fake, uh, I don't even know what they were. They were just little plastic cards where they had, you know, ri- ridges in the cards. And if you moved oh, it, it yeah, made it look like, that's, let's get real, let's get clear. That's not what we're talking about here. That's, no, no, no. I mean, cause I remember as a kid saying that, yeah, if that's, uh, that's a hologram. I don't, a hologram. I don't want that. That's kind of cheap. This is the real no, deal. No. And to see yeah, the 3D the image deal. is powerful. Yes, absolutely. I mean, to, to, for the human brain, there's nothing more powerful than, than 3D images, really, because that's the world we live in, and that's how 
uh, the brain has been wired to process um, visual information. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, it's is there a downside to this? I mean, I guess is it is it more? Does it take more of our energy to watch a 3D image? Does it? I'm just trying to think if this if we have 3D images in our cars. I mean, I know one of the things I've seen is eventually you could have the 3D image on the windows of your cars, the holograms on the windows, and take pictures from your windows. There's all this new technology. Is there a downside to all of this? Well, I think the downsides, um, well, there's upsides and downsides. I mean, the upside of using holographic technology is that you don't get eye strain like you do with with other technologies where you have to use eyewear or that try to fool you or trick you into thinking that there's a 3D image there where it's really just a, a twin, two-dimensional image right. one for each eye. Um, so that's where, you know, when you go to 3D movies, some, some people end up feeling a bit motion sick mm-hmm. or they feel a bit, you know, they get headaches and nausea. You, you don't get that with, um, with our technology, with, with holographic technology. And, uh, I mean, every deep down... Um, every sci-fi fan and the scientific community know that the best way to make 3D images is using holographic technology. Just the problem has been is, is that it's been very difficult until now. Um, and in the kind of 20, 30 years, uh, technology has moved on a lot since, the, uh, since that Star Wars movie. Yeah. I guess, you know, I predict that there will be a prototype, uh, like Princess Leia-type display, before, well, within two years' time, let's say. Oh, wow. Before the 40th anniversary of, of, of Star Wars. How yeah. about that for a challenge? Uh, that, there <laughs> you go. Throw that out there. And you would know. You're, you're in the background of it all. Well, we appreciate it, Javid, and uh, appreciate your work. I, I look forward to the day when I can Skype a family member across the world and, and see a hologram of them. That, uh, that's quite the exciting thing. Again, that was Dr. Javid Khan, who is uh, one of the founding partners of Holoxica, who um, are on the forefront of creating this, this, this movement in holographic imaging. We're going to take a break. When we come back, my friends, uh, how many showers a week do you really need to stay clean? Do you know that there have been people that have never showered, never even been immersed in cultures that have never even been immersed fully in water? Are we overshowering? We're going to talk about it. Olga Kazan will be joining us. She's written an article on it. More when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, before the explosion of soaps, conditioners, and shower heads, people believed that soaking in hot water was unhealthy. Some individuals could even go from birth to death without ever being fully immersed in water. Deodorant, did you know, wasn't even invented till the 1880s. Today, hygiene is a matter of social propriety. People shower multiple times a week, sometimes once a day. Others shower multiple times a day. But is it all really necessary? Do we shower too much? In her recent article in The Atlantic, Olga Hazan explores shower patterns across the globe and found interesting results. She joins us now uh, via the phone. Uh, Ms. Hazan, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, what what made you so interested in showering? That's it. Of uh, all the well, topics. 
Uh, sure. So, so um, I've just been reading a lot. I mean, so I'm a health reporter, and there's a lot of um, news out there in the health space about um, people trying various kind of new strategies, uh, mostly to avoid showering too much. Um, so there's people doing things like uh, no poo, which is like a, a, in some cases, it's just not shampooing, and in some cases, it's like a special formulation of shampoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, or people, uh, you know, kind of not washing their hair for long periods of time or uh, not not using soap and just like experimenting with different things. So I feel like there's just been a lot of interest around, you know, how often we really should shower. Now, what, what have you found out? What are some of the numbers? Are we over showering? If you shower every day, you know, as mom used to teach us to do, are we are we overdoing it? Um, well, so I think it kind of uh, it kind of just depends on your perspective. Um, so there was one kind of informal poll on Reddit, the website, mm-hmm. um, where a guy kind of basically just like asked people to write in saying how much they showered, and it looked like you know uh, most of the men said that they showered basically every day, um, and most of the women did not shower every day. They showered maybe like, uh, you know, four or five times a week. Um, so that's almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you're, if you're showering every day, you know, and you're a man, then you're maybe like right on par. And if you're a woman, then maybe you're doing a little bit more frequently than, than average. Should we worry if we are considerably less than those numbers? Um, well, so I think that, uh, so I'm not like totally clear on, on the science of this, yeah. um, but I think some people uh, have different theories about like how often you, you like really need to like use soap and shampoo on yourself. Like I think some people try to adjust uh, by, you know, like adjust their bodies, like natural dirtiness by not showering for long periods of time or trying like things with where they use like just baking soda or I don't know. There's like all sorts of strategies out there that you could read about with people experimenting with this stuff. Um, so I, it just, I think it's, it's really up to personal preference. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I guess in the end you have soap companies, shampoo companies, conditioner companies. Um, there's a lot of advertising. We're selling a lot of products. So may, maybe it's, you know, maybe some of it is just this idea that's just marketing driven. We're just, you know, there's a lot of stuff we've got to buy. You got to get your loofah. You got to get all these things to get in the shower. Um, do you notice that Americans are, are we showering at different amounts than other countries? So we actually shower slightly less than average. Um, we shower probably uh, like just slightly less than every day. Um, and so this Euro Monitor poll that I looked at uh, showed that a lot of people actually take multiple showers per day, um, but not all of them actually shampoo their hair every time they shower. So these might be more like they're showering and like sort of just like rinsing off. Yeah. Um, is there – did I've lived abroad, and that's, that's an interesting uh, kind of dynamic to this too. In, uh, I lived in Argentina – for two years, and the, the, there wasn't just this warm running water that was easily accessible where I lived. And so basically I had a coffee pot that was heating <laughs> with a, in the shower. There was a plug in the shower, uh, which, you know, scary. And so it, it actually changed your, my showering patterns there simply because it wasn't a comfortable thing to do. So I'm assuming in cer- certain countries there's, you know, where, where it's not comfortable, we're probably not 
doing it as much. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have no idea about that. Like, it, it doesn't seem to follow any kind of rhyme or reason. The, the Euromonitor poll just shows people in Brazil, especially taking a lot of showers, uh, almost twi- two every day. Really? Um, and the same with people in Colombia and Mexico. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe there's something there with, like, the warm climate and people just want to, you know, you wake up sweaty and you get sweaty throughout the day. So maybe you just want to, like, freshen up, yeah. like, in the morning and in the evening. Um, so, you know, and then a couple of Brazil or a lot of Brazilians were actually tweeting the story and saying, like, oh, this is totally, like, right. This is right on. Brazilian shower all the time, which I actually did not know. So, um, yeah, apparently so. It might really, yeah. It might be to cool you down a little bit. What other things did you mention in your article? You wrote the article for The Atlantic. And um, mm-hmm. ta- just talk more about your article. Any other any other things that have come out that, that stood out for you as as an interesting aha when it comes to our hygiene issues? Yeah. So um, the, the the only other thing that uh, – so it's actually not a lot of data out there on yeah, how sure, yeah. people shower. Um, so there's one other report by that was put out by a hygiene products company. So that's kind of take it with a grain of salt. Um, but basically it, it found that um, in most places the women showered uh, more than the men, which is kind of the opposite of the Reddit poll of mostly uh, people in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's interesting about that is that uh, they also had, like, sort of questions about, like, they asked people around the world, like, what your ideal man and ideal woman does as far as hygiene. And those those were really unequal, too. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. It's... Yeah. 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 They're, they were pretty shocking, actually. <laughs> interesting. I mean, again, we're, it's, it's something we don't talk about. And, and there's so even to have the data on it is is so interesting. But, you know, if women are showering maybe up to five times weekly or whatever, and men are supposedly showering every day. I mean, I've seen my daughter in an effort to not keep showering and doing her hair. Um, I've seen I've seen girls putting like a like a like a type of flower almost like a baking flour in their hair to get rid of some of the grease. And yeah, so there's like um, there's all these like new kinds of uh, products like dry shampoo um, yeah. that you can use, and like some people just use baby powder, or, like various. I think my dry shampoo actually has like oat oat flour in it, hmm. um, but it um, you basically just like spray it on yourself, and it like makes makes it look like you showered even if you didn't. Do you, do you end up smelling like a cookie? Like an oat, like um, no, a like a brand muffin, like or a... smellier. <laughs> No, no, no. I think Good. you just like kind of smell like a more pungent version of yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, and too, there's other cultures where, you know, having a little odor, a little pungence even is it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's so cultural, like, really. I was, I was I was reading some of these other business reports that have come out and like uh, basically this like shower less often uh, trend uh, has really taken off in um I guess, higher income countries and um, especially places that are more northern. So if you look at the chart, um, like places like Germany uh, yeah. don't actually shower that much um, in the U.K. And I think that might be because um, if you shower a lot, especially in the winter, you can get really dry skin. Yeah. Um, so one thing that these like uh, like all these like shampoo makers are kind of like incensed that like the no poo revolution is taking off in Sweden because like I guess the Swedes have just like really dry skin. And in the wintertime, you know, if you don't shower, then you don't get as, as like, dry and, yeah. and as itchy. So you, you know, 
it, it works for them. <laughs> well, you know what? It's I, I think it's interesting, and, and I think you opened up a, a really cool question that maybe we ought to be doing more research on. I mean, I know there's vitamin D benefits. You know, you have vitamin D in your skin, and if we're if we're cleaning it off too much and using abrasives to clean off our skin, we might be losing some of that as well. It's just it's an interesting discussion, and I, I appreciate the work you've done. Again, Olga Hazan from uh, the Atlantic. Go check out that article. Do we shower uh, too much? How often people uh, in various countries shower? It's just it's an interesting read. Again, uh, we brought it to you simply because it it opens up the questions and. It's in that article, by the way, they talk about the ideal man. And one of the things that was really, I think, fascinating, the ideal man has short hair, has their nails cut short. They're clean shaven, has natural complexion without the use of cream, does not wear jewelry, wears cologne. That's the ideal man, which, by the way, just so you know, that's James. The ideal woman, when both men and women are asked what the ideal woman is, they shave their legs, they wear jewelry, they wear perfume, they have long hair. They don't wear their hair up. They don't wear makeup. They use skin creams. Are those your ideals? Because if so, man, I got to get a haircut. I got to get some cologne. Got to get rid of my jewelry. (laughs) It's crazy stuff. Hey, anyway, um, when you think about it, too, just out there, as you go through life, life is personal, right? How you shower, how much, it's all about kind of you. And I guess we could get into just buying more products, getting into buying the products, needing the next uh, bath gel or the next whatever, shampoo. But in the end, um, we also have to be careful. And in our next hour, if you'll stick with us through the break, we're going to be talking to somebody that's, that's going to actually help us understand a little bit more the marketing and some of the deceptive commercials that are out there. You may not know it, but we are being marketed to more than ever before. Um, some of the commercials and the time you're spending watching commercials has gone up over the last about 30 or 40 years. So we'll be getting into that with Dr. Marty Nemko. Um, he's going to take us on a journey through deceptive commercials and practices Folks, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Remember, our goal is to help you find the good in the world, to give you the tools that you need to just make it through life, to take care of your family, and to accomplish the good that that the world needs. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number three of the show. And boy, have we got a jam-packed hour for you. We've talked about a lot of stuff today. The weather, crazy weather, holograms, do you shower enough? I'm going to say on behalf of the Matt Townsend Show team, we're all very well showered. Spring fresh, if you will. Spring April fresh. James uh, even smells like a dryer sheet. That's how fresh he is. Sometimes a little heavy on the axe body spray, but that's fine. A lot of axe. Well, I just want to make sure that, you know, I want to be thorough, so I usually... 
<laughs> take a few like 15 seconds of spraying the yeah. axe and then i rub a dryer sheet on my clothes lay off the lavender try maybe a citrus i'm just you know okay well i thought the lavender was nice I, well, you know what else okay. is funny about you james um it's the bling you got too much bling on the ideal man doesn't wear as much jewelry as you do well i do have a bachelor's in bling and that's i think because of that why I, are you still in school then well, I'm getting another degree. Double major. Come yeah, on. Surprisingly enough, there's not much you can do with a bachelor in bling. No. Sure. Yeah. So, so more of a status symbol rather than a career opportunity. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Or you also – don't you have an advanced degree in acts? Yeah, I think my master's in, is in acts. Okay. Why do I think? I know. My master's mm-hmm. is in acts. And then I have my, my doctorate in passion. Wow. That's he, some confidence he, right there. Well, he's got a lot going for him. Oh, well, yeah. He's, that's why he's getting married. He's that euphoria of she said yes. Y- yes. Well, I think that's one of the reasons she's marrying me is because I have a PhD of passion. 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 Well, good job. Yeah. So we're proud of you. Pretty great. Uh, any any news or have we done all of the news? It seems like we've talked about everything. There's some other oh, stories. There's some other stories. Floating okay. out there. Google will change your search results. On April 21st. What? The uh, search company, beginning April 21st, will increase the ranking of sites that are mobile-friendly. The company says that the change will have a significant impact on all mobile searches in all languages worldwide. But as a result, Google says that users will find higher quality results. Yes. The changes should help motivate those sites that still don't have a mobile site to actually build one. That's why they're doing it. They're incentivizing those that are going mobile. Very pro. So much of the internet is consumed on a mobile device, yeah. and when you try to jam That's a great. full-size website into a mobile device, sometimes it doesn't quite work. Thank you, Google. So they're trying to help out those of you who use your phone and tablet to experience the web. That is great, because I will have a new website that's mobile-friendly by then. Yay! Finally! Really? And they would have killed me before. They would, because your search results would have plummeted. Mm-hmm. Based on whatever algorithmic Not that gymnastics are doing, but yeah, that's the, good. The city of Portland now generates electricity from turbines installed in the city's water pipes. Well, that's a smart idea. It, the They're, water flows through the pipes, the turbines spin, and the power generated, which then feeds energy back into the city's electrical grid. One fully oper- once fully operational, the installation is expected to generate two million dollars worth of renewable energy over twenty years. Enough electricity to power one hundred fifty homes. So wow. it's like kind of in a test sort of yeah. situation. It has to be on a downhill sort of grade so yeah. that water has that force going down, spins the turbine, just kind of the same concept of uh, hydroelectric dams. It's cool. I mean, we're already pushing a lot of water. We may as well make money on it. It also, the, the systems can also tell you how clean the water is. It can tell you if there's any water pressure issues, like maybe there's a leak in the pipe somewhere. Can it find my son's car keys that fell into a water... I don't know, but since it's a turbine, it probably doesn't need pieces of metal <laughs> flying through at a high speed. <laughs> okay, good to know. That That's cool. See, Portland, cutting edge. They're trying something new because uh, you try to generate power right. with existing infrastructure instead of building something new. See, if you could generate power from people just walking on the sidewalks, that'll happen someday. Right. Cool. Any other news? Yesterday, we talked about how Pluto and another dwarf planet, mm-hmm. Cirrus possibly being reclassified yeah any new news today reports have that the nasa spacecraft the probe that's headed towards cirrus 
there are two lights on the planet. Two lights? Two lights. And you look at the pictures of it, and it looks like... It's a car. It looks like headlights that are kind of... I mean, it's 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 far, far away, yeah. but two lights, two distinct lights looking back at this probe. They don't know what it is. They need to listen for a horn. It says, uh, the smartest scientists unsure what they are. Scientists have previously detected water vapor coming off the surface of the dwarf planet, so the light could be reflecting off ice. Mm. I think it's aliens. Do you think it's aliens? Personal Dr- opinion. Driving a car? Aliens. Or do you think that's like a spaceship? Whatever they drive. I'm not going to limit them to driving some sort of carbon-based-fueled car. Oh, no. Limit them. Uh, wouldn't it make <laughs> more space. sense if we're going to limit them? Those two lights, are they're, those are the eyes. Of the uh, planet? Of the series Monster. Nice. I guess we'll be the first to find out. Or, well, the probe will, and then in however long it takes to transmit back, we'll find out. But if it was a monster, and it, we, have a, we have a monster-sized planet, yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Then scary. What they ought to figure out. They're going to get there. It's just going to be an old Chevy yeah. <laughs> with the lights still on. But what they ought to do is grab those batteries. That's right. Because like, if the batteries can last that long. That's some crazy battery technology. Guaranteed Tesla wants them. So, yeah, there's lights. That's cool. That's cool. That's scary. Dwarf planet. I mean, it is a dwarf planet. So, you know, it's, I guess, small enough. That two lights on a dwarf planet probably look really big. A car headlights on a small planet look really big. So, yeah. Interesting. It's cool. Cool news. We'll we'll know more about that as this probe gets closer. And then because of what the probe's going to find, Pluto and this other planet, Cirrus, could be reclassified. Hey, I got a a hero story for you. Did you hear about this this bride-to-be? $480 $480 dress she found. Her her parents, she's like the sixth of seven children. Her dad had lost his job. She fell in love with this guy. And uh, she, you know, Jimmy and Liz Jensen, they, they uh, she said, yes, the wedding is set for May 1st. Jimmy proposed to Liz Jensen. And uh, Liz went looking for a wedding dress. And she found one, 480 bucks, but it's out of her budget. She couldn't afford it. You know, so that's depressing. This was the most important dress of her life. <sighs> what do you do? You can't afford it. Dad can't afford it. Dad doesn't have a job. Got a big family. So she just, you know, kind of put it back, basically. She, by the way, did this at a, at a, a shop called Elizabeth Cooper Designs here in Utah. And uh, she tried on the dress. She knew it was the one. It had everything she wanted. It was perfect. Anyway... Meanwhile, in the store at the same time, there was another woman that was looking for dresses, but she couldn't find her perfect dress in the store. So while she was leaving, she went up to the store clerk owner, Carrie Ling, and um, she just said, Does, is there any bride here that needs help getting a dress? And um, the you know Carrie Ling is like what why 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 are you even asking that she said I just want to I want to give him some help so this bride to be basically left exactly enough money to pay for Liz's dress and asked to be anonymous and walked away 
And then the store clerk got to go up to Liz Jensen, Liz Jensen and say, hey, you love the dress? She says, I love it. I can't afford it. Bada boom, bada bing. This woman paid for your dress. Paying it forward. Great story. Yeah. Where are these people when I'm shopping for a car? Yeah, they don't do cars. I would like to find someone just like this nope. when I'm shopping for a car. They don't do cars <laughs> because that's not a wedding dress. A wedding dress is the is a magical you know, moment. What if it's a really nice car? Nobody can believe this even. The, the lady's like, I've never had somebody buy a yeah, dress for somebody. That's crazy. And guess what? This person is still anonymous, and Liz Jensen is so desperate to find out who they are because she wants to invite him to the wedding. How cool is that? So what do you do? Hey, that's not your girlfriend's name, is it, James? No. Is, she, is, she, is her name Liz? No. Nice try, though. <sighs> What would you do? Would you try to remain anonymous, or would you go to the wedding? I, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd, remain, I'd remain anonymous, but I'd send another present. Ah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Make it See, a folks, game. there's good people out there. There's good people out there. Always remember that, especially when we talk about our next subject. Because after this break, we're going to invite Dr. Marty Nemco to come join us. And Dr. Nemco is... Um, he has a Ph.D. in educational psychology, but he has written a, a really interesting article about deceptive marketing, basically, deceptive commercials and how we might we might need to pay more attention to what's going on when we're watching these ads on television. And uh, we're going to pick his brain. Dr. Marty Nemco, he'll be up next. Stick with us after the break right here on Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, have you ever just noticed that some of the things they're saying in those commercials on TV aren't quite what they uh, purport to be? They're not as honest as maybe they need to be. Today's advertising demands more scrutiny uh, than ever, according to um, our next guest, Marty Namco, who holds a Ph.D. in educational psychology from UC Berkeley. He's a career coach and a personal uh, coach. He also is uh, the San Francisco Bay Area's best career coach and um, has his own radio show there called Work With Marty Nemco. And we, we so appreciate you being here, Marty. I, I love the article. You, you wrote your article, and it's, it's appeared in Time Magazine and on Psychology Today. Uh, what, what was the driving force that made you start that whole process of questioning commercials? Well, some of it's genetic. I've always been kind of this consumer advocate type, but the, actually the specific example was just random. <laughs> I was just making dinner and watching this. You know, I never watch the commercials. I always turn away and just, you know, um, think about anything else. But for some reason, I was watching and I was saying, geez, there's a lot of commercials. And boy, <laughs> and I watched them more, more carefully. And I said, not only are there were a lot of them, but they seem more deceptive than ever. And so I said, well, there's my next Time article. There you go. It's interesting how that came about. You know you need a Time article and you know the deadline's coming or whatever. And then all of a sudden, because you're not a commercial watcher anyway, but you just happen to get into a few and you think, hmm, that seems a little far-fetched. The- you know, when you're, when you're a writer, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an addicted writer. 
you live constantly with your antenna out for where is there an opportunity to write something that is not obvious, that has not been written before, and is important and you feel is going to make a difference. So, yeah, my antenna are constantly out. Your article mentions that you noticed that the number of commercials has increased from about nine minutes in the 1960s to about 22 minutes of commercials now per hour. What, what, what's going on? I mean, obviously, we're after the money, I guess. Well, that's, you know, in the end, that's, I think that what really bothers me is, is the hypocrisy. Many, many um, TV stations, publications, whatever, claim to be real advocates for the people, and they sound very sanctimonious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, when it really comes down to it, it's expediency. It's the money. And so they don't give a crap if they make people watch 22 minutes per hour of commercials. It's as much as they can they can get people to watch yeah. without them changing channels. That's right. They do 22 because 23 is just too much. Uh, or, or they're going to keep trying. And, and yeah. if they get a little desperate, they'll go to probably, you know, can you just see it in the extreme? 57 minutes. There'll be three minutes of programming and 57 minutes of commercial. <laughs> it's interesting because if you think about it, 22 minutes. That means 38 minutes of um, content and yet 22 minutes of ad revenue, which which almost makes the argument for Netflix, right? Or some of these other – your DVR, where well, Absolutely. now they're, they're even capturing your DVR now where you're still going to be advertised to. Huh. It's interesting. So as they're making money, they may also potentially be you know hurting themselves. Now, am I correct that X, it's uh, Sirius or XM, whatever the yeah, Sirius is. XM Radio. No commercials, isn't that right? Yeah. Well, we yeah we don't. We're we're an educational facility, so we do in uh, like kind of informational ads or. But yeah, no, we don't pitch anything. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it you're you're giving people choices now, and so. And maybe that's what's happening is is maybe as viewership starts to drop in certain places, they 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 start adding more and more commercials to get you. What are some of the commercials that kind of blew your mind that you thought, wow, this is happening? Well, I have to say that the worst one from as far as I was concerned was uh, the one that happened to one. I only wrote I wrote about like a half a dozen examples because I only was I watched about an hour of CNN and um, these were just what I saw in the hour in this one hour. Uh, it was a commercial for the drug Chantix, but it really could apply to almost any drug. You know, you, you, you watch the commercial, you know, you, you ever find that there's, a, there's always a perky, nice person yeah. talking about how wonderful the drug is. <laughs> and then uh, in the very small, fine print, it's usually in an extraordinarily dull color against an almost similar background. There is a, uh, a Bible of uh, a disclaimer, uh, a small print. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, this was the worst. Um, because <laughs> behind the perkiness, there was this incredible, scary thing. Which, um, would you want me to read a small? Yeah, please I, do. I, I these, actually, uh, what, you couldn't read it. No. There's no way a human being could read it, uh, except that uh, what I did is on the internet, I was able to find um, a YouTube video of the ad. Yeah, read it, this and I could funny. just slow it down, I could stop it, you know, press, <laughs> stop, play, stop. Listen to this. All right. So, um, yeah, most of this, you know, for Channing, it was most of the screen time was reassuring pictures of the happy ex-smoker. Um, and here we go. 
some people had changes in behavior, thinking or mood, hostility or agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions mm. while taking or stopping Chantix. If you notice any of these, stop Chantix and call your doctor right away. Tell your doctor about any history of mental health problems which could get worse while taking Chantix. Don't take Chantix if you've had a serious allergic or skin reaction to it. If you develop these, stop Chantix and see your doctor right away, as these could be life-threatening. Tell your doctor if you have a history of heart or blood vessel problems, or if you develop new or worse symptoms. Get medical help right away if you get symptoms of a heart attack or stroke. Get caution when driving or operating machinery. Cop and side effects using include <laughs> nausea, trouble sleeping, and unusual dreams. I really was, I'm imitating almost kind of the Yeah, and they pace. go that fast, don't they? They have to speed yeah. through that to get it yeah. all up there. Not to, yeah, exactly. And, of course, their lawyers are saying, you've got to do this. It's going to reduce the chances of getting sued. Yeah. But that you make the greatest comment in your article that says, I wonder if it isn't safer to just keep smoking. That was my next line. That, <laughs> that was, is right. such that a was great after, comment. After that, I, mean, right. I mean, when you think about it, compared to all of that, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, it's probabilities. It's those probabilities of those things aren't that great. But the point is, there really is, it seems to me, an ethical obligation, especially when you're dealing with life or death. And this isn't death. This isn't some little drug. This was Pfizer. Pfizer is probably, the, is, is, I think, the world's largest or second largest drug company. They're worth billions. These are people who are mainly, you know, lots of doctors who have gone in. They've taken the Hippocratic Oath. They swear to be in, to have integrity. And then you've got, they're associated with this. There's, there's right. something. There's a disconnect there. Well, and, and and you said in your article too. There's 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 a variety of these. That's just one. I mean, and you think about it. You were only watching for an hour. Right. And that's just one of the drug companies. But you also get into watch companies that are pitching watches. That when you really go price out the watches, I mean, it's fifty, sixty thousand dollar watches, two thousand dollar watches up to two point seven million dollar watches. I mean. They act as if they're just selling a watch, but, you know, you could buy a condominium for that. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, you know, th- that isn't quite as deceptive. It's a luxury item. It's a watch. But it's amazing what what, what they do to try to manipulate into buying. And, and, like, when you really think about it, I mean, let's look at the macro. I mean, yes, that, that Cartier watch commercial looked like, a, you know, it was a Hollywood movie and that they were going to, uh, you know, you, it, it just – it. it created this surreal feeling and we get they're very sophisticated these Madison Avenue folks there's all kinds of psychological techniques that they use to manipulate you into buying the question in the larger issue is it gets you to believe that materialism is the way to happiness to love romance money and contentment and in the end as forgive me for sounding like one of the BYU religion professors (laughs) that's great but in the end it really does come down to being productive working hard, which is so core to the Mormon tradition. Yeah. It does come down secondarily to relationships. It does come down to integrity and honesty. And, you know, and living a clean life, the things that Mormons do and don't smoke and don't drink and do the opposite of what the damn commercials right. tell you to do is ironically the right, a much righter path than the commercials. Now, the only argument in their favor is commercials enable you to watch all this TV or read the stuff on the Internet for free. So it's, your, it's the cost of you, you have yeah. for watching, but you need to be vigilant. So you can be vigilant and laugh at the commercials at their <laughs> attempt to manipulate you. Yeah. And therefore, you get the benefits of TV and whatever it's without almost, the liabilities of buying $2,000, being manipulated into buying $2,000 watches. Yeah, it's almost what makes the Super Bowl so fun because it's almost like the manipulation is less overt and they're actually letting you behind the scene to just laugh and to 
and it makes it more real. It's when it's when you have these other these other examples, maybe a drug company or a car company, where you you know they're purporting to to give you one type of car, you know, a, a German a German engineering, and yet it was created or, or you know constructed in Mexico. It's just fine print, but then I I really love your idea. Let's take a break. I love your idea, and I want to come back to this idea about materialism as a way to happiness. I mean, you're a coach, you're a life coach, and a and a and a career coach. We we if we get sold on this stuff, then it does start to create these expectations that I need to keep up with the Joneses just to maybe keep a job, to get a job, to play the part. We're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Marty Nemco, uh, and you know. Break this open a little bit more. Find out a little bit more, too, about his article on deceptive uh, advertising and commercials. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about an article by our guest, Marty Namco, who has a Ph.D. in educational psychology from UC Berkeley. He's a career and personal coach and um, also has his own radio show in San Francisco. He, he wrote the article in Time Magazine. It's also on Psychology Today as well. Um, and, and basically he just goes through a list of, of just... A little deceptive marketing practices, and you know we've all seen stuff like this. You've if you if you've sat there long enough, you've seen these type of commercials. You've actually dealt with these, and one of his one of his arguments that he's been making with this and talking to us about is make sure that we're I guess a little more present and and we're not getting caught up in the materialism of it all as a, as an effort to make us happier. Is that is that one of your points, Marty? That certainly is one. Before we get to that, there's another subtle thing you mentioned, the Super Bowl ads. Yeah. And I think about all the years of them. And uh, across all ads, not just in the Super Bowl, but it's almost ironic that it occurs in the Super Bowl, is men, frankly, especially white men, are made to look like idiots or sleazebags disproportionately. And women are made to seem like the heroes and brilliant people who are going to put them in place. Oh, interesting. I, 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 haven't, I haven't noticed, but I, I can see that in TV, too. I mean, a right. lot of dads look stupid. A lot of the... Right. Yeah. The, uh, the Homer Simpson syndrome. Yeah. But you look in almost every scene, not just in commercials, but in right on TV, in movies, in every scene there's always conflict. Conflict is core to writing of screenplays and whatever. You will disproportionately see the woman end up one-upping the guy or the guy being the bad guy and the woman being better. Hmm. And you guys who are students at BYU are in your formative years and it's unconscious, but little by little it begins to take its toll on your self-esteem, your sense of self-efficacy. So I would encourage you First of all, don't trust me. I'm just some guy who's, you know, some career coach and, you know, talking on the radio here. But I invite you, as you read articles, books, watch TV, watch movies, watch commercials, ask yourself the percentage of the time 
that the genders are treated fairly. And ask yourself if you had a son or a daughter. I know how important family is to the Mormon community. Ask yourself if you had a son and he is watching the steady diet of woman as goddess and guy as jerk, whether that ultimately is in society's best interest. So really, the idea is, and you actually did this with the advertising as well, become a critic in a way. Start to, you know, use your own brain, your own thinking to to evaluate um, all types of, of media. And um, I mean, the Internet, we talk about that. We talk about the FCC and net neutrality and their big decision on that. And And yet, as we sit here... You know, the FCC still could probably do more with other types of advertising practices. Yes. yes. And, and I guess in the end, really becoming a critic yourself of what you're seeing. Make sure that you're open-minded, understanding. I mean, I'm a big believer, and, and we've talked about it on the show. It's too easy, for example, to just go choose your favorite type of news station and only ever hear that one idea that kind of jives with you where sometimes it's great to to see a bigger spectrum and and actually have a little bit more of a critical mind about it and make up your own arguments and see how it relates to you and your values. What well, what, a, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's another important point. The when I was I'm an older guy now, I'm obviously 65. But when I was started out, I've always been an, in, an interested consumer of the media and reading the, news, reading the news, watching the news. There was a tremendous effort at what they call repertorialism. That is, journalists attempt to fairly – we all have our biases that are un, un, you know, under, underpin who we are. But there was a real effort to try to fairly present multiple responsible sides on an issue. Now, they – they, they even teach us in the journalism school that you know you can't hide your values. You've got to you know it is it you can be mission driven. So even well off the op-ed page, the biases that are intrinsic in in the mainstream media are massive. Mm-hmm. So that you know uh, I, I am kind of constitutionally a moderate, but and if I were in a, on a planet where most of the media was conservative, I would call for, a, you know, a, fair, a more fair treatment of liberals. But as I watch, as I read the, the standard mainstream media, including CNN uh, and, and Time and New York Times and Washington Post and ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, NPR, where I have a radio show, the amount of leftist bias is so enormous that it is almost, you know, even Fox News has moved to the center. If you'll Google Fox News and um, policies, you'll see that they've moved to the center. It is almost there. It is almost impossible to find intelligent left. I mean, right of center thought. It gets censored all the time. It's a lot to ask students to do this, but there are only a relatively few right of center, intelligent um, source media sources left. You know, yes, probably the, the Wall Street Journal. Yes, probably commentary. Yes, probably National Review. But those are out of the mainstream. But you do the, realize that when you're consuming the media, you are going to be getting a generally a very liberal, biased perspective, even if you look at multiple mainstream sources. Yeah, and in fact, the way you even end your article um, was just with the time-honored general warning of caveat emptor. 
let the buyer beware. And, and I guess that's that's what one, my big takeaway is. So I appreciate your article because I think it did start. Uh, it, it started, a, a, I think, a really interesting discussion around our newsroom and around our um, team. And that was what we really wanted to bring to um, our listeners nationwide is just the simple idea that the media is there and it's um, it's ours to consume. But you have to you have to be proactive and think through it. So I appreciate you again, Marty. Uh, um, interesting. It's just an interesting take. Uh, one hour of listening to CNN and you came up with all of those ideas. Good luck to you on in your work as well. And on your radio show, it truly, truly is, my friends, a um, it's a world now where you can't just sit by. You you're you are an actor. You are a player in this world. And you don't have to necessarily choose one or the other left or right. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to choose. You get to actually make it what it needs to be. It doesn't have to just be what's handed to you. You get to go out and make it what you need it to be. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go down and talk to the guys at BYU Sports Nation, see what's coming up on their show. Um, Also, a little bit later, we're going to go to parenting preview and uh, parent preview and talk about some of the new releases that are coming out so you can enjoy that over the weekend. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, now, seriously, one of my favorite parts of the show is to go down and visit my brothers down in Studio B, BYU Sports Nation. Hello, Spencer, and Brian is filling in today for Jerem again. That's right. We're throwing you off every day this week with a new guest. What is the deal? It's like you're rotating guests. We've got to keep it fresh, man, right? Yeah. You guys are... um, you're my heroes. <laughs> lies. Lies. It's all lies. But we, when, I, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. So. No, you don't. You <laughs> Do you know what? Bri, come talk to me, man. <laughs> I think a half hour with me and we'll get that out of your system. Hey, Matt, tell, yeah. me, tell me after seeing that music video rendition I did, your life is not better. Um, you know what? It is better in a way because I lost weight. I couldn't eat. <laughs> I couldn't eat the rest of the night. <laughs> Holy wow. cow, man. Wow, that kind of a reaction, huh? You put the N in N-sync. Yeah. <laughs> that My was... parents will never forgive me for uh, that is the certain great. pelvic thrust. I know. Uh, yeah. You're so. lucky you didn't blow a hip. See, at my age, I'd be in traction. You, you know, it's funny because that you, you just did that, and you were, you, were, you were into it. Oh, absolutely I was. I was 18. I wanted to be Justin Timberlake. Well, I still kind of want to be Justin Timberlake. You know what? You know, it's probably past. It's not going to happen. <laughs> You're right. But what's so funny about the whole thing is it's out there now, man. You yeah, can't well, get it back. <laughs> we have Ben Bagley to thank for that. He's yeah. the first person to put Thanks, that out. Thanks, Good job, Ben. You know, we got to go get some video of Ben dancing. <laughs> we do got to. I bet he used to be a break time. dancer. Don't you think he would be a break dancer ben, back in the day? I think he did a lip sync to, like, the cranberries or something. We've got, to, we've got to find it. I could see Ben being like a pop locker. I could see him hitting it. That would be, yeah, yeah. be fun. Those we, should, the, we should put some music on one morning and see if we can catch him. Let's yeah, do well, it. But make sure you do it on camera because I want to I want to watch from up here. Oh, we'll definitely. Uh, you know what we were talking sure about yesterday? We, we 
Speaking of dancing and, and in sync, we talked about like celebrations we thought Tyler Hawes should use yes. the moment he passed Jimmer for dead, yes. which he did last night. Uh, he awesome. Did. He BYU won 82 69. Great night for Tyler Hawes and the Cougars. But, you know, as we, as we thought, he kind of just, you know, acknowledged the crowd maybe a little bit and, and ran back <laughs> down the floor. We wanted him to yeah. go take a selfie with President Worthen. Oh, wouldn't that have been great? You know, like throw, kick the ball into the stands. Yeah. <laughs> something, man. I mean, flex a bicep, you know. Anything. Time, something, anything. Right? I would have just, like, you know, started spinning on the ground and then <laughs> freeze in a pose. <laughs> Do the Jake Toulson Irish jig dance yeah, what in is unison that about? with the team. Uh, see, Jake would be fun to watch break a record. Yes. Because then, you know, you'd get that flashback from the Irish dancing group. You know you're going to get something cool. You want to hear something really cool? What? Dave Rose's daughter uh, sent out a message at the behest of her dad, who wanted everyone to know about this. Eric Reveno is the head coach of Portland. Uh-huh. He made sure at the end of the game to go over to the scores table, get the game ball, and delivered it to Tyler Hawes' dad, Marty, because he wanted him to have it. Oh, so cool. Dude, he is the he is the guy in the West Coast Conference that if BYU loses a game, like, if it has, they have to lose a game, I want it to be to Eric Revin. Totally. Because right. he's that cool. Well, and, and BYU's had a really good record against them, right? Like 12-1 to 1 record. Yeah, they don't, I mean, they lost in triple overtime what up there last year. What a great sport. But... Right there, that's why we play sports. Dude, he's he's the best. Eric Revenoa is such a good dude. And so for Tyler Haas to get that game ball and celebrate with his family, that was really cool. We're going to talk to Tyler live from the Northwest as the Cougars now transition to Spokane to take on the third-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Mm. And I guess we're still waiting for uh, Collinsworth to to make the money shot. Yeah, well, the well, triple-double. He had a ho-hum 15 points, 11 yeah. assists, and six rebounds last night. Ugh, you know, What a yeah, loser. Almost there. <laughs> Why doesn't he work harder? He's so right. close. Hey, by the way, I did have a, uh, a, a Jerem Jordan sighting. Oh, you saw Jerem. No, but I read an article about how um, they're missing a sprint car. was apparently stolen in Atlanta. Uh-oh. So I'm going to bet Bucks Jerem pulls up in number 44 NASCAR sprint car. Should we, should we put a little wager on that? Because seriously, I, that's something Jerem would do. Well, see, apparently he, yeah, he's going to join us. He's going to join us today, I think. Ask so him about we'll the car. Ask him about. Ask it. him because a lot of people, you know, they don't know what I know. I have a, I have a big staff. <laughs> Brian, are you in on what this, if, dude? What if he, what if he pulls it, pulls up, and then he has Tyler Hawes' basketball, like in the, in the, <laughs> yeah. in the passenger seat with a, with a seatbelt over it, and Eric Reveno tied, <laughs> right, tied in the back seat. Guys. Yeah, Eric Reveno is a hostage <laughs> in the back. He's all quiet, Eric. You guys. Good, well, good luck trying to straighten out that story. Hey, but thank you. We'll that's do your our job. best. And again, just so you know, I, I just am going to post your um, InSync parody. Not you parody. did already? I thought you No, I'm going did. to post it on my Facebook page. 40,000 oh, people are going what? to get wow. a shot at that. Wow, 40,000. Mm-hmm. All right. And a lot of them are ladies. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to love it, man. Uh-huh. They're going to love it. You're going to be the new... Heartthrob. Has your wife like said like take that down? Yeah. Stop. Stop. I Listen. bet your wife's not liking this. <laughs> Brittany anyway. is all about it, dude. She's she? a dancer. That's why she oh, was she into can, me. She, she knows. Yeah. It. She's got good taste. I used to use that as like a pickup tool. Like I danced to instinct. <laughs> you know, it sounds like Brittany has a very charitable heart. <laughs> this is really true. what this is about. This is true. Hey guys, good luck and good luck on your show today. That's a cool story. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, thanks. guys. Be good. What a cool deal. Uh, you know what? I, I can't believe Jerem stole that car. Right out of a NASCAR team trailer and car was stolen in Atlanta early Friday. By the way, who's parking their NASCAR anywhere? Got to be careful. 
Hey, we got a great uh, uh, guest coming up. That we, we, we've used them a lot on different shows. The Morning Show has forever um, used our, our next guest as an expert to talk about movies that are healthy for our children to watch. Parent Previews is the name of their website. If you go to parentpreviews.com, you can go and, and see the latest and greatest previews for healthy uh, entertainment and movies. They'll give you a little view about what, what you should be taking your family to and maybe what you might want to watch out for. Rod Gustafson's on the phone with us to kind of walk us through some of the new releases that will be out on video this uh, this weekend. Rod, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. How are you? It's Great. Nice to, I, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. We love I it. My days, I thought my days on the morning show were done. No I way. I thought that was it. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> no way. And we love the work you're doing. Talk, first of all, just talk about parent previews so everybody's up to speed. Well, at Parent Previews, uh, boy, we've been doing this for, oh, I hate to say this, it's close to 20 years. Wow. Now. We've been reviewing movies from a parent's perspective. And, uh, and you know, the guest that you had on a few minutes ago uh, who was talking about uh, the underrepresentation of conservatives and media yeah. and that type of thing, well, I, I really like where you went with that, Matt, because that's where we go with that, too. You know, you, you don't have to pick left and right, and, and that's what we try and do with movies. We find a lot of movies are skewing left, where they're promoting uh, left-wing concepts and that type of thing. Some of them skew right. We try and walk that little tightrope yeah. right down the middle to try and give parents an idea of what they can expect in a movie and really encouraging parents to think. And that's really what it boils down to, Matt, is to think critically about the media that you're seeing and the media that your kids are seeing as well. I love it. I really, And I think we've got to start using our brains more, right? That's why we've yeah, got them. Exactly. What, what yep. are some of the yep. things we should be watching out for? What movies have been coming out and what are some of the, the releases that are coming out in the DVD world? Well, actually, uh, we do have uh, on DVD this week, we have Big Hero 6 release. And this one uh, gained a lot of notoriety last Sunday evening when it won for Best Animation at the Oscars. Yeah, that's great. Personally, Matt, well, I was so disappointed Were you? when the nominations came out in December and the Lego movie yeah. wasn't even nominated. Right. I mean, I, that's crazy. I really liked yeah, I like Big Hero Six. It, it would have been my number two pick. Yeah, uh, but but Lego the, Movie Lego had movie. to be there. Oh, me, yeah, you know. And what I was just saying about the media—that's why I really love about the Lego Movie. It, it's got a really kind of cynical look at mass media, which I really enjoy. <laughs> Anyhow, Big Hero Big Hero Six Lego Movie, by the way, is out on Blu-ray and DVD and home video formats as well. Big Hero Six just came out this week. And of course, it did take the Oscar for Best Animation. And this is this is a very delightful movie uh, about a, a young boy. He's in his he's an adolescent. He's built this. Uh, well, he hasn't. He builds robots, but his brother winds up tragically dying near the beginning of the movie. Kind of a, a new take on the Disney orphan syndrome yeah. that Disney does so often in its movies. And so he winds up kind of inheriting this robot that his brother was working on with this elite 
group of other robot designers. And this robot is this big, inflatable, kind of a lovable thing, and it's made to be a medical robot. It's made to help people. And so he starts using this robot and, had, and makes a lot of discoveries that there's a lot more to this robot than he first realized. Uh, it, it really is a wonderful family film, probably best for, you know, I would put this on about the eight, nine years of age and older uh, category because there are going to be some scenes that for very young children are going to be frightening. But for, for older children and adolescents, this is a fun movie to watch together uh, as a family and uh, has a lot of good messages going for it. Uh, the last, the final act kind of turns into your typical this is based on this is based on a on a comic book and it's kind of got your kind of typical battle sequence and whatnot yeah the final battle still really good yeah the final battle now the one thing matt i take it you've seen this movie. yeah i have yeah my kids loved it you gotta stay for the credits on this one don't you Matt? yeah you totally give it away yeah there's 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 some fun little thought or surprises i guess yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. What I guess we'd call it an Easter egg or whatever. There's a great thing that happens in the credits. So, uh, so, so make sure you don't pop out that Blu-ray or DVD before before you're done watching the credits on this one. So but we the should. Hero Six, yeah, that's the one we should be watching for then as a release, as a new, as a yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Now, and we've also got one opening up in theaters this week as well. Actually, opens today. Did you want to cover that one? Well, yeah, we got about there? 20 seconds. That's the. Is that the Lazarus Real one? Quick. Yeah, Lazarus Effect. This is a horror movie. Uh, overall, C grade on this one. Watch out. There is some language. Uh, the one thing we did like about this, it kind of brings a little bit of religion into the horror movie genre, but unfortunately that doesn't last very long, and that kind of goes south from there. Interesting. So maybe you don't need to go see that one. I mean, it's, no, up, to, it's up to you. Probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Rod, we appreciate it. And, man, you covered a lot. That's and, and great insight. You are for sure going to be back, I'm telling you. You cannot leave the morning show. Somebody's got to watch right. these movies for us. Rod, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Again, earlier we talked to Marty Nemco. So if you want to go to his web- website, go to martynemco.com. We failed to mention that earlier. And, again, folks, we can't do the show without you. We need We need to kind of change the world together, don't we? And hopefully we just keep hitting the topics you need and changing each other's lives as we do this program together. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.